I love talking about regrets. Nothing gives you more insight about a person than their regrets. And nothing gets you closer faster to people than when there is a conversation on regrets. It's just so easy to bond over because it's so deeply human. And I've had many conversations about regret that that it has blown my mind how vast and deep and impactful this feeling can be. Because feeling regret is feeling heartache, probably quite literal heart pain. And that's just the physical aspect. But more than that, regrets are the painful knowing of how you broke your own heart. And if there is beauty in ugly, then ugly does not get any more beautiful than this. So if regret is something you are struggling with, then this is the episode for you. And if you think that regret is a non-issue in your life, but there is an area where you feel stuck or where certain patterns keep repeating itself in your life, then let me tell you, it's most likely because you've unaddressed regret. And in that case, this is the episode for you. And yeah, I admit, it's a bit freakish of me to be laughing when talking about regret. But let me tell you this. Dealing with your own regrets is tough and painful work. But if you talk with other people about regret, you will see their vulnerable and beautifully human side. And it is hard not to empathize with others, even love them for their regrets. And once you get to this point of loving them for being imperfect, loving them for knowing what it's like to have a broken heart, and once you get to the point of seeing how it is making them a fuller, more flavorful, and a more complete person, once you are there, it'll be easier for you to extend the same compassion and admiration to yourself. So listening to this episode will make you think more deeply about regret. It will empower you to talk more about regret and it will help you deal with your regrets. And I'm not just talking about the schmoozy interrelational stuff, but the research and psychology behind regret. I'm going to nerd out completely. I promise there is so much here. You will want to listen to this three times over to get every single juicy bit of it. So let's get started. All right. Salut and welcome to Worth Having, the podcast where we explore belonging and the question, how do I want to come home to myself? I'm Nick, and each episode will explore how to avoid becoming a burnout cliche and instead take yourself from good to great. Burnout doesn't have to be your reality. By connecting emotional intelligence with positive psychology, we can uncover untapped potential, create better opportunities, and answer the tough question, what's truly worth having in life? Join me, and together we're going to figure out how to take back work-life control. Because as a designer, I craft strategies for regenerative leadership, and I simplify the conversation around self-leadership and self-efficacy. Because to belong means no one has to do this alone. And with that said, you're always welcome here because you do belong. 
Thanks for joining me on this adventure. Let's get started. Dear fellow wisdom enthusiast, this episode is all about regret. And I'd like to invite you to try a little experiment with me. Bring one regret of yours top of mind for just a split second. Got one? Got a good one? I mean, like a good one, a, you know, painful one? Okay, now tuck it away. Because now we'll dive into the research and science of regrets. And at the end of it, we will come back to check if your relationship to your regret has changed. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Allez, on commence. Hi, welcome. Meet your regrets. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush because all soft transitions I recorded earlier sound really schmoozy and I'm trying too hard. And yeah, regrets are just like that. We're trying too hard and at the same time we get all schmoozy. And usually it's not helping, is it? So tell me, friend, what do you know about regrets? Not yours in particular, but like regrets as a topic in general. Here's what I know. Most people talk about regret in hindsight, meaning regret has already happened and now we have to live with the consequences of it because this is how regret came to be. First, life was one way for you, then you screwed up and now life is worse than before. A regret is a feeling, but a part particularly powerful one, because it is also the painful awareness that you're the cause for a bad situation. So regret is, well, can be full of guilt. And if it involves the well-being, or should I say the unwell-being of another person, sometimes it's even full of shame. Regret is so freaking personal. And even though most mistakes can be rectified, it is those associations to guilt and shame that keep us from doing so. It is a regret because trying to repair a broken heart is hard, hard work and often causes even more pain along the way, or at least more exposure to those feelings of guilt and shame. And so rather than keeping what feels like a dark stain top of mind, And by keeping it top of mind, keeping it, you know, being forced to look at it all the time from a behavioral standpoint, the most common and obvious reaction to regret is we're trying to avoid it. Even though we know it's unavoidable, we analyze and take mental note of everything touching our sore point, everything that lies in the past. And then we avoid any and all situations that resemble that past happening in the present. And if we could, yeah, we'll also avoid it in the future. So even though our regret lies in the past, it regularly comes to visit us in the now. And not just that, but we even know that it will come back in the future as well. And if I can give you a metaphor, I would use this one. Living with regret is like living with your nose. Just like your nose is smack in the middle of your face, so is regret smack in the middle of your being 
and in the middle of your memories of the past. But because of its location, it is really hard to see it or really hard to look at it objectively. If you make a real effort and you try to squint your eyes, then you can see maybe the tip of your nose, but only vaguely, and it's extremely blurry, and your eyes will feel very strained after just a few seconds of trying. But since we know that everyone we encounter will look straight into our face, we use mirrors and look into them every day to make sure that our face looks presentable. And that's when we can't avoid our nose. Right there, smack in the middle. Same goes for our personality and character. And that's a differentiation I should and I will explore in some other episode. But when it comes to our personality and character, we all reflect about our own life and how we handle it. Who is in it and how we interact with and impact each other. Thinking of our own behavior what we want to achieve and how we want to get there is our mirror and that's when we get confronted with our regrets smack in the middle of our past present and future so what do we do with that how about we rationalize it yeah so i don't know you dear listener but i'm just assuming Since you're here, you are a fellow wisdom enthusiast and you want to have different angles of looking at things that seem obvious but are quite complicated in real life. And so I do not know if you're anything like me, but I am someone who is much more comfortable feeling emotions once I've thought them through. The information that emotions carry They scare me sometimes. Feeling all those feelings and understanding what they're trying to tell me and what they want me to do and how they impact my own behavior and where my life is heading if I act on them or where it's not, depending on what I choose to do or not to do. Boy, and what makes those quote-unquote negative feelings such a quote-unquote bad experience is the fact that in a given particular situation, when I get triggered, they, yeah, they're strong. And I'm not sure if I will be able to keep my calm and able to keep my composure. Or at least I know it will be very hard to do so. So I think it's quite understandable that I'm very hesitant to dive deep into something where I feel at a loss of control. So... As nerdy as I am, I like to read up and look at research first. Taking a step back from my particular emotion, looking at it from a distance, and maybe even, mm, yeah, looking at it more abstract helps me get comfortable. It helps me to be courageous. And speaking of courage, I also have an entire episode on courage from last season And that one helps me to remind myself that courage is easier to come up with when it's scripted. All professions that require courage, they practiced in a stage scenario before putting their people 
in the actual situation. Because having to have courage is by definition uncomfortable. It is confrontational. It is extremely energy draining. And sometimes it's even life threatening. So yeah, all those professions, police, firefighters, doctors, you name it, they take the theory and practice apart bit by bit. They explain and then they train. And then they are increasing the intensity step by step. So let's do the same here. Let's look at regret from the distance to classify what it is. And I will start with what it is not. A regret is not a disappointment. Because in contrast to regrets, disappointments are only unmet expectations. And whatever led to the disappointment, whatever led to the expectation not being met, was outside of our control. So disappointments are missing the blame, shame, guilt cocktail. Yeah, (laughs) that one. So of course, if we keep getting disappointed over and over again, it's time to look at the fault a little closer to home. What is our contribution to this repetition? So yeah, we can say sometimes accumulating disappointments can lead to regret if we don't question our involvement in this pattern. But on the other, more severe, if this is a scale on the right side of regrets, we have a deep life crisis. We could simplify that one as an accumulation of regrets. That is undermining our personal purpose and meaningfulness of life. Burnout could be such an accumulation of regrets, for example. So, ta-da! We've cataloged regret between disappointments to the left on the scale and a life crisis to the right of the scale. But what about regret timing? We all know that there is something called instant regret. And that is usually happening whilst we're still in action, still talking, and already regretting our reactions, or in my case, my big mouth. These instant regrets are usually less severe. Une bêtise, as the French say. And sooner or later, we can laugh about it because they are rooted in an overestimation of our own capabilities and our ego. Instant regrets are what we all like to call facepalm moments. Their counterpart is therefore delayed regrets. Delayed regrets. Am I pronouncing that right? I hope so. Those are much more long-term and usually heavily persistent. Those are the ones we fear because they are rooted in an underestimation of the impact that our behavior has. So we can laugh instant regrets off because they serve as a lesson learned. We seriously did not know what we didn't know. Delayed regrets, however, those are the ones where we did not show up at all or not at the level we could have. With delayed regrets, we usually know exactly that we know better. Ouch. And since three times is a charm, here is one more category. Let's look at the types of regrets. 
So the author and marketing expert Daniel Pink used his fame and popularity to ask his fans and readers about their regrets. And after some, I think it was like 80,000 plus answers, he came up with four types, four categories of regrets. First, fundamental regrets. The kind of regret everybody will tell you, I told you so, it's the health we didn't take care of, it's the money we didn't save, it's those repairs that we procrastinated taking care of. It's all the things that constitute serious adulting. Yeah. Number two, boldness regrets. So we set out to do something but then we get bored or we get scared and we're just half-assing the whole thing, which leaves us with unsatisfying results and the annoyance of, yeah, knowing that we've used energy and resources, but we did not dare to be better than mediocre, if, if at all mediocre is achieved. Number three. Moral regrets. Pretty clear what those are. So there is a clear right or wrong way to act, to be. And yeah, we've chosen to be an ours. Yay! Number four. Connection regrets. Those are the heartbreaking ones. The connection we did not show up for. The one that we let slip. The one that we messed up because our ego had to be right. Those are the ones that involve other people. So yeah, sounds familiar, right? Those four categories. And sometimes one regrettable event, our regrettable behavior falls into more than one category. So here we go, Chérie. We classify regrets on different scales here on the scale of severity, on a time scale, and then lastly, we put them into categories. So how does this sit with you? When I first heard that, I thought, yep, it sounds all pretty logic and conclusive, right? So can you feel into your own body? How do you feel about regrets now, about the topic? Does this topic feel more like something that you can face and handle now that you've heard the research behind it? Because it is one thing to say, yeah, everybody has regrets. And then it is another to hear the research about it because it makes that Pollyanna sentence come true. Everyone has, in fact, regrets. And there are so many people and so many regrets that there's actual research on it. That's how big the topic is. Again, I do not know about you, but zooming out like that makes me feel less threatened or personally attacked by my very own regrets. Some emotions are hard to feel. And just like facing a hard situation is easier with a friend at your side, I want to invite you to continue using your mind, your brain, to help your heart Start feeling into your regrets. Keep on thinking and use it as a lifeline for tipping slowly your toes into your feeling of regret. And whilst you get comfortable 
with doing so, let me ask you another question. What is the function of regret? Why do we keep regretting? Okay, if that sounds like a weird question, let me give you context. Have you ever wondered why we feel in the first place? Like evolutionary, biologically, you know, that whole spiel? What is the function of feeling emotions? I will not beat around the bush and make this episode an endless loop. So let me cut straight to the answer. We need to feel in order to remember. And we need to remember in order to learn and survive. Our brain is a beautiful organ with the most amazing capacities. But we can't remember everything that happened to us in our lives. Our brain has limited storage capacities and it needs to select which information is valuable and worth giving up storage space for. It uses emotions to do so. The stronger our emotional reaction, the deeper the memory will be stored and the harder to kill the lesson that we've learned. That is why we call it emotional intelligence. Emotions carry information. So if I ask you what the function of regret is, I mean, which information, which lesson does your regret want you to remember? So maybe you have a specific regret memory in mind that comes up. Maybe you have enough distance at this point to go into that. But stay with me for a second longer and let's look at regret with our analytical abstract thinking mind first. We said regrets never feel great. They make us cringe. We said most often they are paired and mixed with guilt or even shame. We said most of the times we do not have the courage to face or fix our regrettable situations and therefore we avoid confrontation with our past behavior. We said regret is the painful awareness that we are the cause for a situation or for another person to be worse off than before. So what is the function of feeling regret if we are unwilling or unable to do something about that past event? Please, shout out the answer now. I'm listening. (laughs) Okay, no, seriously, I wish I could hear you. If you have an answer to this right now, if not, let me give you another hint, another question to get to that answer. What is the opposite of regret? If we said the definition of regret was, regret is the painful awareness that you're the reason or cause for life to be worse than before, then how about let's swap some words around and flip the whole thing. Dot, dot, dot is the joyful or happy awareness that your behavior is the reason for life to be better than it used to be. Dot, dot, dot is the joyful awareness that your behavior is the reason for life to be better than it used to be. How do we feel when we get mirrored from the external world that we did well? That this current result that was of our own making is being appreciated? That we are being appreciated. Do you have an answer for that? 
Should I give you a minute? Maybe you want to pause? If not, the answer is proud. We feel proud when we did well. Pride is the joyful awareness that our behavior is the reason for life to be better than it used to be. Now, don't confuse feeling proud with acting prideful. That's not the same, and that's not what I'm talking about. Doing good, making life better for ourselves and for others makes us feel good. Doing bad, performing bad, causing life to be worse makes us feel bad. So I claim the opposite of feeling internal regret is feeling internal pride. Now, our upbringing, our life in society, our life with other people, all that has taught us to feel guilt and shame after regret. And so we get scared to reap even more rejection because others lost their trust and faith in us or we believe that they did so. We then lose trust and faith in us because we use society's reactions to us as a mirror of how we see ourselves. My nose is ugly. I have this thing in the middle of my face, in the middle of my being, and others do not like it. My regret is ugly. But remember what I said earlier? Science has come to the conclusion that emotions serve memory formation. They serve learning and finally serve survival. Now, here's the beautiful piece. As humans, we are gifted with the ability of self or better said, with internal reflection so that we can make better choices in the future. And just like, for example, a fox can use his feelings to remember and decide to run faster, hide longer so that he can survive better with less effort spent, so we do the same. And in the case of feeling regret, we usually choose to avoid future situations that remind us of that past regret. We keep being in survival mode. Or option number two, at this point, we can choose to think one bit further. What if our emotional intelligence is not there to support our cognitive intelligence? So what if feeling is not supposed to impact thinking and acting, like in the Fox example, but what if it's the other way around? What if we have got it all wrong? What if us feeling quote-unquote bad about the past is supposed to remind us that we now know better? And so therefore, we should do better so that we can then feel good, feel proud about ourselves and our behavior. I think we were never meant to self-shame, self-blame, self-guilt trip us even more. And isn't that the purpose of learning and memories be better than before? Isn't the real end goal not only that we are meant to survive but go further, go past that and evolve to actually thriving? What if the purpose of having stored this memory was not to remember who we used to be in the past, the one that made that mistake, but to remember who we want to be in the future? 
So we're remembering and feeling so that we use our thinking and doing our behavior in order to feel better, feel more proud of ourselves. And in that sense, then, let me repeat the question. What is the function of regret? I would say our regret is the guardian of our integrity. It is our inner knowing, our inner authenticity, the way we want and long to be. It's speaking to us to remind us that we know better. It's the internal knowing that we now can do better. We can show everyone that we can do better, especially ourselves. And so our inner self, our subconscious, our soul, whatever vocabulary speaks to you at this point, that thing is wanting to be part of our external self, the part that everyone can see. And if that is true, then it means we keep regretting, remembering that regret for as long as we have not shown that better behavior. We want to be able to look into the mirror and say, I did well. We want to look into the mirror and say, yeah, I screwed up that one time, but I learned my lesson and I did better ever since. So our usual behavior of avoiding situations that resemble our regretful past only, they only cement that uncomfortable feeling that we did badly and we have not moved on from this. <sighs> exhale. <laughs> I need to exhale. Maybe you need to exhale at this point. Think about it. Maybe that heaviness that comes with feeling our regret is not because we can't change the past. Maybe it comes from, I'm not doing anything to be better from here on onwards. Because clearly I care. And now I'm inviting you to think of your own situation of regret. Can you see your own regret under that light? Can you look inwards and have that conversation with your inner knowing, asking it, how do you see me be and do better? How can you help me have my own back in the future? So friend, we zoomed out and now it's time to zoom in. Oh, again, I wish this was a conversation because this is the point where getting specific really helps. And since it's hard, it's always better to do so with somebody with you in the room, just to keep you reminded that right now you are safe and you are not alone with your regret. But since we can't talk at this very instance, I can give you an example. Remember those delayed regrets and their four categories? It was a bit simplified when I said that with some regrets, we did not know what we did not know, and with others, we do. Sometimes we have an inkling like that nagging feeling that what we are currently doing 
might not add up to the result we hope for in the future. So I'm an expat. I have a lot of expat friends and a lot of expat clients. And many of us go abroad and get at some point confronted with the question, should I stay or should I go? And the specific circumstances are really not important for our discussion here. For our discussion here, it does not matter if we like the new place or if we don't. There is that point where we question whether we will regret our choices. What might the future be like if we act and leave? And what if we don't and we stay? What if? That is such a haunting question. I bet you can imagine a million scenarios and there is so much that you have no control over. But it all starts with a decision of yours and that decision will require you to make a million more decisions in order to make that very first one, the should I stay or should I go, in order to make it work. And knowing that can be paralyzing because as an expat, we've been there already. In fact, we are there already now. As expats, as foreigners in another country, we already made that really big choice of moving abroad. And we played that gamble between moving abroad and living with daily uncertainty of not knowing how this culture functions and, by extension, if we can function in this culture, function the way we like to be. And that can end up in hopefully feeling like an exciting adventure, but it might just as well end up in feeling like a daily uphill battle. Now, I read Esther Perel's book, The State of Affairs, and that book deals with one of the biggest regrets people have, and that is having cheated on their partner and what it takes to move on from it for both parties. And in one passage, she writes about the experience that the betrayed partner has. Let me read it out to you because Esther says it best. And I'm uh, tempted to do this with a French accent because, uh, you know, everything uh, is just more fun with a French accent. But I'm going to keep it to myself because this is a serious topic. Here we go. We're willing to concede that the future is unpredictable, but we expect the past to be dependable. Betrayed by our beloved, we suffer the loss of a coherent narrative of the past. That helps us to create a stable sense of the self in the present. So, yeah, being cheated on makes people question are all the memories that I have of this time with this person together, are they still valid? Are these correct emotional experiences? So whilst we usually think of regret as a thing of the past that haunts us in the present, in that case, when we ask ourselves what if questions, then regret becomes a thing and that we are afraid of in the future. 
What if I will come to regret the life I chose to live? That one life I'm living right now. Am I the person that is currently cheating myself out of a good future? Am I betraying myself and what really matters to me right now? <laughs> yeah, and that sounds like a mindfuck, which it is. So as expats, we know what it feels like to grieve the life we consciously chose not to live. We grieve comfort and knowing and predictability that make life easier. And the question with should I stay or should I go becomes am I willing to do this again? Yeah, and whilst we're absorbed with and by our what-if questions and what-if worries, we're not really living a good life now. This is how not exploring our past regrets and consequently wanting to avoid future regrets leads us to living a second best life. One little trade-off, one little downgrade at a time. Or we can choose not to avoid and not to be living a second best life. And we can flip it around and ask, what do my regrets want me to remember? What is actually important to me? How can I show up better and live outwardly what I inwardly value? Now it's up to you. What is your regretful situation about? What are the actions I keep shame, blame, guilt tripping about? Is it instant or delayed regrets? And in which categories do my regrets fall? And most of all, can I imagine just for a moment that my regret does not want me to be afraid, but wants to remind me that there is potential? What if there is a way that I can show up and have my own back in the future and all it takes is the courage to explore. Hello, mes chers amis, my fellow wisdom seekers and emotion explorers. You can choose. Does anything I said in this episode feel true? Please remember that I'm not telling you how to live life or what to think or how to do life. I'm just offering you alternative viewpoints and you take out of these episodes whatever serves you, okay? Because the truth is, after all, what you believe it is. We choose our truths. Regrets usually emotionally document a negative change in facts. The situation was one way. Then you did something and the situation is now worse. So they're about the transition from past to present and keep us from looking forward into the future with hope. 
And if you want to know what hope is, <laughs> yes, I have an episode on that one as well. Go and check it out. Go and listen to that episode on my website. That too is a really good one. Same principle, zooming out, thinking it through first, then looking at how it resonates and if it resonates, what changes in behavior can I do to have more hope? So my friend, we're at the end. And as usual, as usual, I want to leave you with some last words. And this time I have three points to sum it all up. Firstly, this is the Worth Having podcast and my topic is belonging. So remember that you do belong. Your regrets belong to you and you can decide what happens to you and to them. Treat your regrets with respect because they're like kale or spinach. They might be bitter, but they are full of nutritionous emotional intelligence. All you need to do is figure out how to extract exactly what you need and what your life needs from it. Number two, speaking of extracting the good stuff, if you're a private person and feel your life could use some more moments of internal pride, but you don't know where to start, I can help you extract that info in a half-day session of coaching, which I call the next right step, logically. Together, we audit, measure, and emotionally evaluate what is currently happening in your life. And then we extract that emotional intelligence of yours and you decide where you feel good and feel best and feel confident in yourself and where lie your competences and capabilities. And with all that, we come up with a hands-on action plan for what you should focus on doing so that you feel better. And I use the principles of positive interventions, positive psychology to do so. I want you to create the kind of change that creates moments of pride for yourself. We don't do this for others to give you recognition, but for you to really make yourself feel seen, feel recognized and feel strengthened and acknowledged by yourself. We do this so that inner authenticity and outer integrity come at least closer to each other, if not completely aligned. And by the way, I can also do this <laughs> for teams in companies in workshop format for each and every team member to recognize their own strength and their own emotional intelligence and what to extract. So if you're a decision maker and you want to do this for your team, give them that resource of nutritionist emotional intelligence, I can come in and I promise it will be fun. But firstly, <laughs> but thirdly, if you like this episode, if you found value in this, please friend, share it with your people or yeah, show some love over on LinkedIn and support me there because that is always encouraging to see that things resonate. In any case, I'm looking forward to hearing back from you. Please get back to me. I'm 
really easy to talk to. Um, and I'm always happy for feedback. And until then, au revoir et à bientôt. Scénique!